Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there. I want to help you today with separation anxiety. Now, I'm not talking about that toddler that is attached to your hip or that toddler that is grabbing your leg. I'm talking about those bigger people, the bigger people that are afraid to go to school because they're not with you. They're afraid to go to a sleepover because you're not with them. They're afraid to basically do anything if you're not right by their side. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The reason why I have picked this topic, I have a long list of topics that I want to cover for this podcast, and that was on there. But a listener contacted me and said, hey, I'm having a problem with my daughter and with separation anxiety. And if you can cover that, that would be great. So I bumped it up and that's what we're doing today. We do have some really good discussions about this topic and lots of other anxiety topics in my private Facebook group. And if you're not already there, you should definitely join us because that group is growing leaps and bounds every day. And I feel like people are really starting to utilize it as a support on a daily basis, which is awesome. I love to see that. So if you're not there, please come and join us. You can find my private Facebook group by visiting my website, anxioustoddlers.com. At the very bottom, there's a tab that you can hit to join the private Facebook group, or you can just go to Facebook and you can search for it. It's called AT Parenting Anxious Kids. And I would love to see you over there. I'm in there all the time and I respond to pretty much any comment or thread that's going on there. So anyway, back to separation anxiety. This is a huge topic because it's a major theme for a lot of anxious kids. So I first want to talk about what separation anxiety looks like in older kids and the different reactions that parents give it. So in general, it typically looks like avoidant behavior unless the parent is right with them. And a lot of times this turns into school refusal. There's a huge correlation between separation anxiety and school refusal because you're not going to school with them. <laughs> Who wants to do school again? Wouldn't that be a total nightmare? So unless you're that parent that is like sitting there by the door, which, you know, that might be you right now if your child has separation anxiety, but I would rather die than go back to school. And I'm sure you probably, well, maybe you don't feel the same, but anyway, normally kids will come into my practice because of school refusal more than they will come in because of separation anxiety, or they'll come in because of sleep issues instead of separation anxiety. So it's kind of funny. They'll come in because they're refusing to go to school or refusing to sleep by themselves, but inevitably you follow the breadcrumbs and it leads to separation anxiety, which is really the core issue. A lot of parents don't identify it as separation anxiety. They don't actually realize that it's a separation anxiety issue. I normally am the one that tells the parents, oh, your child has separation anxiety. And they'll be like, my child has separation anxiety. She's like 12. You know, how can she have separation anxiety? And I explain to parents that really clinical onset of separation anxiety doesn't typically happen until seventh or eighth grade. And so a lot of times that's not on anyone's radar, sometimes not even on the school's radar because they think separation anxiety I think toddlers, and that's really a misperception. Now you can see separation anxiety a lot, lot younger. So you can have a five or six year old who is starting to show separation anxiety, like from kindergarten on, and then maybe they get better. And if it's not addressed, then it really flares up again 
in seventh and eighth grade. I am flooded with seventh and eighth graders who have separation anxiety. And that's not a coincidence. That is typical onset for separation anxiety. In fact, um, a couple of years ago, I went and I talked to a school district and I just talked to the school counselors in the district purely on separation anxiety for seventh and eighth graders, because it's such a huge issue. And most of them didn't realize that that was a thing because really, I think that's not really common knowledge. Okay. I'll stop talking about that. (laughs) So I, I do see parents reacting in different ways and how you react definitely makes a difference on how well your child is going to do. And normally, you know, I'm very laid back about parenting and I'm like, whatever, you know, whatever works for you, you know, But with separation anxiety, your parenting style does impact how well your child's going to do with this battle. So we do have to talk about it. Some parents get really angry and they get frustrated, totally understandable because they're going to be late for work or they're going to be, um, you know, in trouble with a school because they can't get their child to school. And so they're frustrated and angry and they, they come at it from maybe a punitive standpoint because they don't know what else to do. And they don't, a lot of times they didn't even realize it is an anxiety issue for quite a while. Now, sometimes I see actually more often than not, I see couples where one parent has one style of parenting on this and the other parent has a totally different style. So a lot of times, you know, one parent is very sympathetic and another parent is fed up. That might be you, right? You know, maybe your partner doesn't get it or maybe you don't get it, but your partner does. That's really common. And unfortunately that can sometimes cause like, marriage issues because, you know, when your child's refusing to do anything and you want to approach it one way and the parent, the other parent wants to approach it another way that causes some big headaches in the relationship. And sometimes the one parent will blame the other parent. You know, you coddle him, you baby him. This is all your fault. I hear that a lot, the blame game. And that's totally not fair because your child probably genetically has anxiety and it's just manifesting this way. So it's kind of not fun to have someone like blame you when you're already feeling really bad about it. So that's not cool. Now I do notice that there is a connection between a parent having anxiety and the child picking up a separation anxiety theme because children are predisposed to anxiety. If you have anxiety, you know, there's a genetic predisposition to anxiety in general, but there's not a predisposition to the anxiety theme. So my mom might've had anxiety and maybe she was worried about germs and maybe I have anxiety and I'm worried about talking to people. My theme is not dictated by my genetics, but the fact that I might have anxiety is, if that makes sense. So the apple does not fall far from the tree. And we've talked about this before. So if you have anxiety as a parent, you might parent in an anxious way And it might be an anxious attachment type of parenting, and that can cause that anxiety theme to pop up in your child. But that doesn't mean that you gave it to them or that it's your fault. For instance, I've talked about this before, like I am genetically cursed with anxiety and OCD. It's rampant. And my kids are completely cursed. It's everywhere. It's on both sides. It's on the maternal side, the paternal side. I mean, they're just surrounded by a forest of genetic trees that are going to crush them. (laughs) That sounds horrible. But I mean, they're doomed for anxiety, but they're not having separation anxiety because that's not the anxiety theme that was picked up. 
but they're having other anxiety themes. Now, if I parented in a certain way, it's possible that they could have gotten a separation anxiety theme, but I'm still dealing with, you know, poop fears and uh, bad guy fears. And well, we don't have to go into my long list of fears that I'm currently dealing with, with my three children, because we talk about it all the time. It just wasn't their theme, but they have plenty of other themes to pick from. So if your child didn't have separation anxiety, they would have had another anxiety theme. So let's just throw the blame out the window and move forward. I do bring it up, however, because we do have to address your anxiety to help your child. Now, some of you might be saying, well, I completely don't have anxiety and my child still has separation anxiety and that completely can happen. But sometimes I'll make progress with a child in my practice and I'll be like, wow, we're doing awesome. Like maybe I've gotten them to sleep in their own bed or maybe they're not calling their mom like five zillion times a day from school. And then ironically, the mom will get upset and the mom will either stop therapy or she'll feel like she doesn't like the direction of where therapy's going. And they will say to me, you know, I just feel uncomfortable with her not sleeping with me, or I'm not hearing from her during the day. And I, I don't know if she's okay. I'm not getting a text like I normally do. I normally get a couple of texts during the day. And so there is a symbiotic relationship sometimes between the mom and the child. Now that's why I say sometimes, because this is definitely not all the time. And so that's not all of you. Some of you might be like, yeah, she's talking about me (laughs) and I'm not talking about you to demean you or to shame you at all, because that's never my intention. But if we don't address that relationship dynamic, then your child's not going to get better. So we can throw out all the sticker charts and, you know, the rewards for going to school or sleeping in their own bed if we don't address some of these deeper core issues. So check with yourself and say, do I, am I an anxious parent? Do I feel nervous if they're not sleeping next to me? Can I not relax in bed if I don't know if they're breathing, if I can't see them? Be honest, because the answer might be, yeah, I feel really nervous. And so I'm, I'm just as equally relaxed having my child next to me as my child is. Do you get nervous if you don't hear from them, you know, during the day, if you're having anxiety, it's a two-parter, your child needs to get help. And so do you, because you have to learn to let go and your child has to learn to let go. And, you know, not in a unloving sort of way, but in a loving independent sort of way. So sometimes if you're an anxious parent, um, we talked about this a lot in episode nine. So if you're an anxious parent, definitely go back, listen to episode nine, because I'm not going to spend a long amount of time talking about it here, but it is key for you to work on your own anxiety. Now I have an anxiety theme and it's totally choking. (laughs) And I, you know, I totally throw that on my kids. In fact, just last night we were having spaghetti and sausage and I cut, it was like big sausage and I cut my kids sausage lengthwise. I think I've talked about my freakiness before. And my husband looked at me because my kids are like five, seven, and 13. And so I didn't cut the 13-year-olds, but the five-year-old, her sausage was cut lengthwise because I'm totally paranoid. I'm worried she's going to choke. And my husband looked at me. He's like, did you seriously cut her sausage lengthwise? And I'm like, what? It's not hurting you, so mind your own business. It's fine. So I completely have my own parental anxieties. It's just not the separation anxiety theme component. So you want to see 
if you hover and you do everything for your child, or if you're very reactive and you kind of micromanage your child. So if you're micromanaging every aspect of your child's life because of your own anxiety, it normally comes from a good place. Sometimes that makes a child feel like they're inept and that they can't do anything for themselves. And so they become very codependent on their parent because their parent swoops in all the time, makes decisions for them, gets them out of trouble, problem solves for them, smooths that road. So there's no bumps ahead. Now that is a component that can add to separation anxiety. And I think it's important just to note that because if that's something that's going on in your parenting style, that you're micromanaging everything your child watches and consumes and who they play with and how they eat and breathe, you know, some of us are like that and it's based on anxiety. It's not because we want to control, but it's just hard to let go as kids get older. So you might want to work on that and listen to episode nine. And then if you need your own therapist, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, deal with your own issues. Let's move on. That's all I'm going to say about parenting. So let's talk about your person who is clinging to you and really needs to let go a little bit. I find in my practice, there are two reasons why kids have separation anxiety. Well, actually I'll take that back. There's three. So the first one is they're afraid that something bad is going to happen to their, to their mom. It's never the dad. I'm so sorry, dads, but I mean, I literally can count on one small little hand in the last 12 years that I've been doing private practice that it's ever been the dad. I mean, 99.99999% of the time it's the mom and it has nothing to do with your relationship with your child. It's just always the mom. I don't know why. Well, I mean, there's probably lots of reasons, but we don't need to get into it now. So a lot of times when I talk to kids and it takes a while for them to start opening up and really think about why are they anxious when they're not with you? I will hear one of three things. One, they're worried about your safety and they'll say, you know, I'm just, I don't know where she is. I don't know if she's okay. Um, I don't know if she got in a car accident or who she's with at work. They come up with all sorts of scary scenarios that conclude with you dying. (laughs) That's pretty much how it goes. The other fear is that they are not okay without you. Now, a lot of times it's a two-parter. So a lot of times they're afraid for you and they're afraid for them. So it's not like they're exclusive, but I do find that normally it tends to lean one more than the other, but not always. And so if they're afraid for themselves, you know, it may be that you hovered a lot and that they're worried that they're not safe or capable without you being right there. And so they fear for their safety and they feel like you keep them safe. Now, the third one, which is kind of a little bit of a weird theme that kind of is a little bit separate than those two is if they have a fear of throwing up. So we talked about fear of throwing up in episode 14 and how that manifests. And that's a huge anxiety theme for a lot of kids. So a spinoff of that anxiety is I don't feel like I'm going to throw up as long as I'm next to my mom. So mom becomes this panacea for nausea. So if I'm with my mom, I'm immune to throwing up. It's this irrational connection that anxiety tends to make. And it becomes a real problem because whenever they're not with you, then they feel nauseous. And so they become incredibly codependent on your presence for them to feel good. And that's, that's terrible because they can't function and that's not good. So coming up, we're going to be talking about how do you help a child with separation anxiety? We know what's causing it 
And we know that maybe some parental anxiety needs to be worked on. Maybe not. But now what do you do with your child? Stay tuned. That's what's next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Okay, so we know that children get separation anxiety and we know how to identify it, but what do we do with that? So now they're refusing to do anything. They can't function. It used to be cute. Maybe you even thought like, you know, it was kind of a nice thing. Hey, my child loves me so much that they're like glued to me. It's kind of an ego thing at first, but then it's like, oh my gosh, wait, this is totally unhealthy. How do we fix this? And it's not a good thing. And it's not a feel good thing. It's a scary thing because it's a sad thing. Your child's not being able to function and they need to be able to fly out of the nest and then fly back. And if they can't fly out of the nest, then they're not going to really be able to be successful in life. So the first step is always, and I always, always, always say this and people you know, so often miss this component, you have to address the cognitive distortion. You have to address the irrational thought behind the fear. Everything else won't work. And I'm such a believer in this for any anxiety issue. If you don't address the irrational fear and fix that, I believe nothing else will work. So there are lots of other things that are very helpful, aromatherapy and breathing and mindfulness and a lot of wonderful things that completely help anxiety. But I guess I'm like a diehard cognitive behavioral therapist because I feel like if you, unless you tackle the thought behind it though, nothing else will be effective together. All of that stuff is amazing, but you have to have the cognitive behavioral piece, which is tackling those cognitive distortions. So You can't assume that you know why your child is anxious when they're not with you. You have to explore this with your child. My favorite, if you've ever listened to any of my podcasts before, my favorite is to just ask your child, what's the worst thing that would happen if I'm not with you? I mean, that sounds so simplistic, but I ask that for tons of problems that I'm trying to play detective with, and I get amazing answers. That's how I find really what is at the heart of the problem. So ask your child, and this is what I ask kids in my practice. So when you're at school, what's the worst part about not having your mom with you? What they tell me will be very eye-opening. So they will either say, and I know what they'll say because I have sat there for 12 years listening to kids tell me different things, and they always tell me one of two things. Either I don't know where she is. I don't know if she's going to pick me up. I know she always has picked me up, but what if she doesn't pick me up this time? What if she never shows up? What if my mom's in a car accident? What if my mom forgets me and she never comes to school? They have thoughts that are completely irrational, like to the point where like they don't make any sense. Like, why would your mom not come pick you up? Well, I don't know. You mean she'll forget you like for life? Yeah. She just won't remember me. Like it doesn't make any sense, but anxiety is completely irrational. So, or they'll say, I feel unsafe. I just feel nervous without my mom. I just feel like I need my mom. I feel better at home. I feel cozy at home. I just feel safer when I'm with her. Those are the kind of statements I hear when it's more about their safety 
than their moms. And then you've got that little spinoff where I just feel sick to my stomach unless I'm home with my mom. So you got that one too. So figure out what cognitive distortion is going on for your child. And it could be both, but normally it's one or the other. It's like the stronger of the two, but figure it out because once you know what it is, then you have to start chiseling away at that irrational fear. We can't go into that every podcast. I can't tell you how to chisel away at your child's cognitive distortions every time I talk to you, but I have made lots of videos and lots of podcasts and lots and tons of articles about this topic. So you can visit anxioustoddlers.com and I go into detail about how you tackle those cognitive distortions or I actually just made a five-part series on YouTube. I swear I need to like cut down. I have to like pick because I've got my website, I've got the podcast and I've got YouTube and I've got the private Facebook group and I make parenting e-courses. So I'm a little bit busy and I have my private practice and I have three kids. So it's a little ridiculous, but I do love my podcast the best. (laughs) I mean, it's like, I love just talking in the microphone and like talking to myself. It's kind of like cathartic and I don't like writing. So this podcast thing is completely my thing, but I also like making YouTube videos. And if you haven't, you should check it out because I made a five part series. They're very short videos. Um, I think currently this week, if you're listening to this in real time in 2017, I have just published four of the five and then next week will be the fifth part of the series. And it's all about how to help anxious kids. And I go into detail about how to help reframe their thinking and how to name their anxiety and how to set up anxiety challenges. And it really uh, fleshes out what I'm talking about. So go visit that. Um, You can check me out on YouTube. It's at anxious toddlers is my YouTube name. So creative. It's anxious toddlers everywhere. Or I'll leave a link in the show notes so that you don't have to, you could be lazy and just look at the show notes and click it. And if you're totally confused, you can go to my website at anxioustoddlers.com and I'm sure there's a YouTube link on the sidebar. So you can find it wherever, but go ahead and have a watch. That will definitely explain and you can see my face and see what I'll look like. And I will talk to you about how to help your child tackle their anxiety and that anxious, those anxious thoughts. And if you want to go completely crazy, you can take my parenting e-course, how to teach your kids to crush anxiety. And I spend a lot of time going into the nitty gritty. It's like having multiple therapy sessions with me. In fact, it's everything I tell parents in all my therapy sessions, like condensed. So if you want to be crazy, you can, you can check out my parenting e-course and you can take my course, how to teach your kids to crush anxiety. And you can go there. It's no www. I don't know why. Don't ask me, but it's no www. Just the HTTPS, but it's anxioustoddlers.teachable.com. And you can find my classes there. So anyway, sorry, that sounded like a long advertisement and I did not mean for it to sound that way, but I want you to learn how to help your child with their anxiety because that is key. So once you do that, we got to move on. You got to sell it to your child and they have to buy in to wanting to help their anxiety. And I do find that separation anxiety is the number one hardest issue to sell to kids. If they come in for like a germ phobia, or if they come in for OCD, or if they come in because they're scared at night, 
I can pretty easily convince them that they should work on their anxiety and that I can crush this. I can help them crush it. And that, you know, we're going to work as a team and it's a good thing. And I have their buy-in. They're like, absolutely. And they're very successful and they move on. Kids with separation anxiety in therapy are super tricky because they don't like me, not me. They love me. (laughs) Well, I don't know if they love me, but most of them seem like they're okay with me. They don't mind coming to see me, but they definitely don't like the idea of therapy. And so if your child has separation anxiety and they're in therapy, don't be surprised if they're very anti-therapy or if maybe their behavior gets worse at first with other kids without separation anxiety. I don't see that for general kids that come in for anxiety in my practice. I see improvement right away. And I'm not saying that to brag, but I just, I think anxiety is so easy to fix with the right tools. And if the child's motivated But separation anxiety, not so much because first of all, some of the time I'm dealing not only with a child, but I'm dealing with a mom that has parental anxiety and might be inadvertently perpetuating the separation anxiety dynamic. And then secondly, and basically what I'm going to try to teach the child is to separate from their parent, which they see as potentially cruel and unusual punishment. And sometimes the parent doesn't like that either. They think that I'm trying to impact their bond and that there's nothing farther from the truth. It's like, you're just trying to make your child healthy and independent. So you want a buy-in from your child. You want to say like, it's important to work on separation anxiety because this isn't going to get better without rolling up your sleeves and really tackling it. Sometimes parents and children will think, well, you know, they're going to outgrow it. She can't be sleeping in my bed forever. Or, you know, I'll just homeschool her and then, you know, that component will be gone and it'll be fine. And unfortunately, it's a slippery slope. For starters, I have many, many teenagers who are still sleeping with their parents and they don't go off to college. They stay in your bed. Not to say that to scare you, but it's just reality. Sleep issues and separation anxiety go hand in hand. For more on the sleep stuff, if you haven't already listened to episode 10, I go in detail about how it's so hard to get kids out of your bed um, because it's an anxiety thing. It's not about, you know, an age issue. So I tell kids that in general, anxiety works by making you anxious, making you nervous, making you have these thoughts that are irrational and don't make sense. And then anxiety wants you to avoid That's anxiety's favorite dessert. It's like a void. And when you feed it the delicious dessert of avoidance, it grows bigger and stronger. And so the more your child avoids being separated from you, avoids school, avoids um, going to friends' houses, the more the anxiety wants them to avoid. And it gets greedy and it will up the ante. And so a lot of times I'll work with families that will homeschool And then anxiety is greedy. And it says, you know what? That's not enough now. Now I don't want you to feel comfortable going to the store. Now I don't want you to feel comfortable leaving your house. I work with people who get agoraphobic because of it. So it's a slippery slope. It's not a school issue. It's a separation anxiety issue. So when you take away the school component, that doesn't fix the problem. It will just make it bigger. And then they're going to want to avoid bigger things. And then sometimes parents will be like, well, she's just a homebody. She just doesn't like to leave the house. When you're in denial, you, you waste a lot of time not getting your child help. So it's better to be proactive and say to your child, look, I love you. And it is so important for you to feel 
happy and safe when you're not with me and for you to feel not anxious when you're not with me. I want you to be able to have a fulfilled life and not always have to worry about if you're with your mom or not. Our love happens whether we're together or not. So there's a little bit of selling that has to happen before your child wants to buy in. And then, okay. So once you either watched my videos or, um, just talk to your child and reframed their irrational thinking. So once you did that and you want them to do it, so, you know, read up on that because there's a particular way to do that in an effective way. So once you know how to help your child, because you can go to a therapist and I am a therapist, so I totally support therapy, obviously, because that would be weird if I didn't. But I also am a big believer that I don't do anything magical. I mean, once you know how to help your child, you can do it. It's, it's not something that a, only a professional can do. I feel like every parent has the capability to be able to help their own anxious kids. And that's kind of my goal is to help parents have the tools to do it themselves. Yeah. Going to a therapist and getting support is amazing. And I'm not saying that because I am one, (laughs) although if I didn't believe that, that that'd be kind of weird. Families come to me and they do get a lot of, a lot of support and a lot of handholding and I'm there for them and for the journey that they're on. And, you know, as a soundboard and as a person to give new, fresh ideas. And also, you know, their child might tell me things that they necessarily wouldn't tell their parent, just like my kids would probably tell somebody else different things than they would tell me. Cause you know, I'm mom and I'm not a therapist to my kids. So, you know, a therapist is a great support, but you can do this. I mean, you can do this on your own if you need to, or if you want to, you don't necessarily have to be in therapy. So learn how to help your child with their anxious thoughts. So once you have that in check, you know what their irrational thoughts are. You have learned how to conquer them. They are conquering those thoughts themselves. And maybe you're working on your own parental anxiety, perhaps, and you're ready to let go if that's your issue, because it's not always. And now your child is kind of bought in a little bit on why they need to work on separation anxiety. Once all those pieces are all together, then set up challenges. I'm always big about setting up anxiety challenges. I feel like that's the behavioral part of the cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's the part that you need to do as well. So for separation anxiety, anxiety challenges look a little weird. It depends on your child to what degree they're having anxiety. So if your child is shadowing you all around the house, that's like the most extreme example, but there are families I work with where the child can't be in another room without their parent, especially the younger ones, it tends to happen with more of the younger ones, then you want to set up a challenge. And I'm not going to go into detail about challenges, but you get a challenge prize box. I talk about this a lot. So if you listen to any other podcast, you're kind of like, yeah, she's talking about the challenges again, the challenge prize box, blah, blah, blah. She's a one trick pony. (laughs) I am a one trick pony and I am a one trick pony because these are tricks that work. They are tricks that I've seen work over and over and over again in my practice. And so I practice what I preach. I tell parents to do this. They come back. They give me feedback. I see it work. I tell parents to do it. They come back. They give me feedback. It worked. So they're tried and true approaches and they're, they're simplistic. Um, That's what I'm saying to you. It's not hard. The hard part is the follow through, the consistency and 
just doing it ongoing. I think sometimes as parents, we get lax, um, we get exhausted, we lose hope. And it's really in those little baby steps that we slowly chisel away at the anxiety. And a lot of times I think parents are looking for huge success immediately. And it's like, no, it's, you're going to climb a very big mountain. You're going to have to take one step at a time and look at your feet and move one single step at a time. You can't look at the very top. So you have to be patient, but the approach to getting there is very simple. So set up challenges. If your child is not going to be you know, comfortable with you leaving the room, you can set up challenges where they earn a prize or something for being in another room and you set the timer for however long they're capable of handling it. And then they earn a prize. I mean, I'm just being very simple about this because we can't really go into detail about every um, approach. Then let's say your child is fine with that. So you keep increasing the time or the distance around the house. You can use walkie talkies initially, if that makes your child feel better. I do. I had a whole article on separation anxiety. It was geared more towards like younger kids, but I'll leave a link in the show notes because I give a whole bunch of suggestions on how to do challenges around the house. But for the older people that we're talking about more so today, you want to set up challenges where maybe mom purposely goes out and the child is not allowed to text. And you tell them, you know, do you want to do a challenge? And this is what the challenge will look like. I'm going to leave, you know, and I'm going to go out with my friend or I'm going to go to get, I'm not going to even tell you what I'm going to do and I'll be back, but I'm not even going to tell you when I'm going to be back. And you are not allowed to text or call me during that time. And so what you're teaching your child is exposure. You know, what can they do? How can they manage their anxiety when they have no contact with you? So You can do challenges for sleep. You can do challenges for whatever issue you're dealing with. But if you're having school refusal, but your child won't even let you leave the house without them knowing where you are, then you have to start with that because to expect that you can't even leave the house without them knowing where you are, but they're going to go to school each day that may not work out. So take baby steps and move towards that. And it takes time for school refusal in general. And I do talk a lot about school refusal. In episode seven, um, for school refusal, which is the the hardest issue that goes along with separation anxiety, you're going to have to take little baby steps. And so that might be depending on their level of anxiety. It might be, you know, just go to school for half a day or just, you know, stay in the office. It just depends, but you don't want them to stay home and you don't want to homeschool them based on school anxiety. And I do talk a lot about that in episode seven. So if you missed that, go back because I give a lot more suggestions in that. That is pretty much it for separation anxiety, just kind of an overall view of it and some simple approaches to start taking. It's not a silver bullet answer, but nothing is. It's just slow and steady wins the race. So I hope that helps. If you want ongoing support, don't forget to visit me in my private Facebook group, AT Parenting Anxious Kids. Hope to see you over there. And until next time, I hope you find the sparkle in every day. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, P.S. Don't forget to leave a review if you're liking this podcast. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit AnxiousToddlers.com.